So uh, this week is the last week of our Staying in Love series, and so I hope, my great hope is that even if you're here and you've been here, and even if you're not in a serious relationship or, or uh, you don't ever plan to be in a serious relationship, I hope that you have heard truths about relationships, truths from God's Word, from the Scripture, that have shown you just how relevant the Scripture is for our lives, just how important the truth is that God revealed through faithful men and women who were like, man, I want to be able to speak this to you, and how important it is, how, how there are some of the best answers to our most important questions. In a time when we live in a time, right, where like if you Google a question now and a minute from now, the answer is completely different. You're like, well, what's the right answer? Is there a right answer? In a time and a season where we're like, everybody's just giving you their opinion and it's untested. To be able to hear the timeless, tested truths that God speaks into our lives at work that change our lives. I hope that you'll be able to leave this series today as we finish it up and say, I'm going to search the scriptures for myself because there is stuff in here that is so relevant for my life. It is going to transform everything. It's going to help me follow God better. It's going to increase my spiritual life, but it's going to change everything about my life. So today, here's what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about something that happens in your relationships, and it happens all the time in your relationships, and particularly in your romantic relationships, and you're doing it all the time, and here's the thing, and this is what makes it so key and so important is you don't even know you're doing it most of the time. Most of the time, you're completely unaware of it. And my hope is today, after a little help of maybe some visual illustrations and some talking about it, that you will become aware of it, and that it will become very clear to you, and you'll catch yourself in it. So let's just review a little bit of where we've been this last month. We said, we started with this question, right? Is it possible for two people to fall in love and then stay in love. You know, like they fall in love, and they're in love, and then they're like growing old together. You know, the kind of like, you know, sitting on the rockers on the porch together. The kind of, aren't those two cute still holding hands on their walker together, right? Like that kind of like staying in love. Not just staying married, but staying in love. Is it really possible? You know, and I think if, if I told you, and we can look around our culture, and you probably feel a bit this way, it's like... Is it really possible? I'm looking around at all the statistics and everything I see, and I'm going, maybe it's not possible. And even if I had told you for four weeks it wasn't possible, here's the thing. In your heart, you would go, I want it to be possible. I want that to be possible. I want to be the exception if it's not possible. And what we said was, it is possible. And if it is possible, if we're going to achieve it, if we're going to have it, then we need to look at what Jesus said about it because Jesus is kind of the author and expert of love. And Jesus started out this, we talked about Christ saying, listen, part of your issue is you talk about love like you fell in love, like it's a state of being, like it's a noun. And love's not a noun. Jesus says love is a verb, and you got to make love a verb. you got to be always about the action about it. And then the next week, we talked about looking at Jesus and the way Jesus modeled love for us. You probably didn't have love modeled that way. And Jesus said, listen, don't look to all those other examples you had modeled for you. Look to me. Look to how I've modeled love for you. We talked about it being kind of the race for second place. 
Like, I'm trying to be second, and you're trying to be second, and when we both try to be second, something incredible happens in a relationship. And then the third week, we talked about, we kind of brought out Mr. and Mrs. Mug, and we said, like, hey, you know, there's stuff inside of us that comes out. Remember that? We said it would be easy to, like, stay in love if we all came into marriage, we all came into relationships, and our hearts were just full of good stuff. It was just full of love and security, and people have invested in us, but that's not the way we come into relationships. We're all a little dinged up. We all have a little damage, and when we come into our relationship, we bring that with us. And it's no wonder, then, that we have a few issues when we get married, because if we're not watching over our hearts and saying, Jesus, I need you to help me watch over my heart. I need to guard it. I need to watch over it. All that stuff that's in us just comes out. And so... Today, we're going to close this out by just talking about this decision. Every one of us makes on a daily basis, on a consistent basis, you're making this decision. And you're not even aware of it. You don't even know that it's happening. It's like so fast, it just kind of happens, and it's this like multiple choice kind of fill-in-the-blank decision that's kind of happening behind the scenes in your life. And because you're not aware of it, my, my hope is today to kind of give you some visual aids and have you a little participation today to have it stick a little bit, to make, make you a little bit more aware of it today as you go into your relationship. Because if you can get a hold of this, if you can just become aware of it, you can just catch yourself in it, it will have a tremendous impact on your relationships. It will change the nature of your relationship with that person that you love. So we're going to start today by going to 1 Corinthians 13. All right, you can open up, you want to open your Bible, your Bible app, you can find some of the scriptures in, the, in that thing called the scoop. There's an outline in there to follow along and take some notes, but we're going to go into 1 Corinthians 13. Now, how many of you know 1 Corinthians 13? Like, you've probably been at a wedding where it was read, right, or somebody included it in their vows. It's the love chapter, right? Like, that's 1 Corinthians 13, that's how we know it, that's where we go for it. Some of you maybe even have some of the verses from it up on your wall at home, that love chapter. So here's what I want to do. I want to just focus on just a portion of it today. And the reason we're going to focus on a portion of it today is because there's a lot of it that makes sense. There's a lot of 1 Corinthians 13 when we read it. We're like, yeah, ooh, yeah, that's good, that's good. i got to work on that. Then there's just one verse that we get to in there, and it kind of stops you in the tracks because of the way it's put together that you might just skip over, but when you read it, you really get it. You're like, ah, hmm, right? And so... So I want to just, just get there today, because that one verse, I think, is key to helping us stay in love forever. So 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we're going to start with verse 4 this morning. It says, love is patient. Right? Love is patient. Love waits. Right? Love, love is like, I'm not going to rush you to something. I'm just going to wait here with you. you know? love, and we, we, we hear that. We're like, oh, that's good. Love is kind. Yeah, you know, I mean, love's not like harsh. Love's not like, love's kind. Love does not envy. Nobody loves it when somebody's envious of other things. Love, love does not envy. It does not boast, right? I'm, I'm, I'm telling my sons who work out all the time, and they're doing this. Like I'm like, listen, nobody loves it when you like, like, right? No, like that mirror doesn't even love it. It's tired of it too, right? So like, like don't, like, you know, I mean, love doesn't boast. It's not proud, right? Love does not dishonor others. We go, yeah, that's, that's good. I don't like when I'm dishonored. Yeah, I love to dishonor others. It's not self-seeking. 
It's not easily angered. Oh, yeah, that's, that's hard for me. Yeah, but that's true. It keeps no record of wrongs. We get to that one and we're like, ooh, right? It keeps no record of wrongs. You're like, it doesn't, it doesn't keep any record? Like, no, like, no record? Because like, you, you remember that time when your mom and dad, you know, when you were younger and they were in a fight? And, like, they were, they, they were, like, getting angry with each other. And your mom was like, yeah, well, I remember that time in April 7th, 1980, when you, and you were like, wow, mom, you want to be, like, a history teacher or something. Like, that's, that's amazing, right? I, I, I once read, a, I once heard a, an older gentleman say that, like, when, his, when he and his wife would get into it, he, he would get hysterical and she would get historical, right? Like, like it's... Men or women, it doesn't make any difference, like based on your personality, you probably can remember. It's amazing how we can remember the hurts. We remember the fights. We remember that like when something didn't go the way we wanted. And so we so we get to this no records are wrong, and we're like, yeah, that's a that's a tough one. I, but I don't really like it when people bring up stuff like that. So I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's that's good, you know? And then we get to the verse six, we say, like, well, love, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. In other words, in other words, Love is like, love celebrates when truth comes out, when truth, when, it, when it's vulnerable and it's real and it celebrates, it says, man, I'm glad you told me that. I want to work on that together. You know, it doesn't rub it in. Like, ah, oh, see, I knew that was true. It just, it celebrates that, that when people are seeking truth together. And then, you know, and we, we get through all of that and we go, okay, that's all good. But, you know, if you, if you went back and did that little, kind of like a quiz thing, and you put your name in instead of love, you know, like, Sean is patient, Sean is kind of, like, how would you do, right? You'd be like, right, this is, but the whole time you'd be like, but that's good, yeah, I need that, yeah, that, I should do that. Let me get to verse 7, and, and it'd be easy just to kind of miss this. We get to verse 7, and, and Paul does something here. It's almost like, I know you're going to kind of look at all these other things and say, yeah, 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 yeah. He's like, but I want you to get a real picture of what love is really like, of how far love really goes, of, of how hard this is, and you probably don't even realize it. And Paul, Paul connects one idea with this little Greek word called pas. And pas is like, it means always. It means every time, right? We, we love to use the word always in relationships, when it comes to the negative, right? You always, you know, every time, right? Like, we love to do it, but Paul uses it in an entirely different way. So when we get to verse 7, it stands out because he keeps going, see, it's always, see, it's every time. you got to do this always, 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 every time. Verse 7, love, it always protects. Always. It is always looking for the opportunity to help another avoid embarrassment, protects. Love always trusts. And it always kind of, it always tricks someone at their word. Love always hopes. It's always going like, I want to see what could be. Not just what is, but what could be. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Like it always kind of waits in the the middle section, the messy part, while you're becoming what you're becoming, just waits in there. It always does this. And it, it, Paul just keeps coming back to this one word, always, every time, always, every time. And we hear this verse, and we read this verse, and we're like, Paul, always? Come on. 
Always? Like, always trust? I mean, come on, Paul. Like, have you ever been in a relationship, Paul? You can't always trust. All, you can't always. Like, like, that always sounds a little bit unhealthy. Like, haven't you ever counseled someone? Someone's, like, in a relationship where you're like, hey, you know what? I, I think you're a little gullible. I think you're just believing everything that person says. I think you should kind of, you know, be a little more skeptical. Paul says, always. And we're like, always? Always trust? All, really, Paul? We get here and we're like, ah. And see, what I think Paul's trying to do is communicate this principle. And it's so important. And we're so unaware that we do it. And it's, it's, it's not just a word that he's using. It's like, I'm going to connect all of these words into one idea to talk about a choice that every person gets to make to put love into action, to make love a verb. There's this choice that we have to make. So here's what I want to do. I'm going to, I'm going to, in just a second, I'm going to unpack that. I'm going to get the visual aids out. I'm going to have you participate a little bit. I'm going to have you kind of let this stick with you a little bit. Let me kind of set that all up for a second of what's really going on. And then we can come back to verse 7 and look at it again kind of through a new lens, a new way of seeing it. So in every relationship, listen, in every relationship, there is this unexplainable gap. And you've experienced, and this is why this always thing is so hard, there's this unexplainable gap between what we expect our partner to do and what they actually do. You, you know what I'm saying? Like, like you kind of get this, right? Like, you said you'd be home at 4, but it's 4.30, right? Or, you know, you, you said that you would do those chores, and those chores aren't done. You said that you would call them, and you haven't called them. You, 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 you said that you would never do that again. You're doing it again. See, at some point in every single relationship, this comes up, and it's especially true in romantic relationships because our expectations are higher and are more, there's more at stake, and, and, and there's going to be this gap between what we expect to happen and what actually happens. Now, it doesn't matter, like, how it came up. Like, maybe it was, like, something you said when you were dating. Maybe it was, like, in your wedding vows. Maybe it's just in the mundane things of life. Like, you said you'd pick the kids up, and now you're calling me, telling me I need to pick the kids up. It doesn't matter. There's this gap. And it can be deep or shallow. It can be specific or general. But there is a gap in every relationship, right? We've got some unspoken expectations. And we're like, what am I going to do with it? And some of them are, like, we don't even know that we have them exactly. Like, we don't know how they kind of got there because, like, it was kind of like how we were raised, right? Like, like, I just throw my clothes on the floor, and I'm like, why aren't you picking up my clothes? My mom always picked up my clothes and did my laundry. Like, why aren't you doing that? I never told you that that was my expectation, yet there's this gap. Or maybe it's like, why aren't you fixing that? My dad always just fixed that stuff, right? Like, why aren't you just fixing that stuff? There's this gap that we have, and we don't even know that we have it, and, and, and you don't know that you're doing it, but you're, you're going to fill in this gap. And here's, right, here's what we do with that gap. Every single time it happens, the gap between what we expect and what actually happens, we tell ourselves a story. We take that space in between, we make a decision to say, well, I'm going to fill that in, right? Between what you did and what I see happening, I'm going to fill that in with some story from my past, from what I've seen, 
about what it is because I want to understand it. And this is the place that we get a choice. We get a choice about what we believe, whether we're going to see like what's really good in someone's life or whether we're going to fill it in with something rotten. We're going to assign some motives to it that we're like, see, you know. We got to choose whether we're going to believe the best or assume the worst. That's really what it comes down to. This is our choice. This is kind of our moldable choice every single time. Will I believe the best or am I going to assume the worst? And what you put in that gap every single time is one of those things. Every single time you get a choice of what you're going to fill in the gap. And you may not even know you're saying, like you don't actually say I'm gonna be- to yourself, I'm going to believe the best, right? Like you may say something and it's probably louder than you meant to be in that moment, or you may even be the person who's like, you know, the gap happens, and, and the person, you know, you, your conversation is more like, oh, no problem, no worries, right? But under your breath, you're like, there he goes again, there she goes again, right? As you walk away, like, you're filling in the gap, no matter what. And we either fill it in with the best, you know, like, oh, they probably just got distracted, or we fill it in with the worst. They meant to do that. So, so here's the thing. Everything in our life, okay? Now, this is the part where you participate. Okay, you ready? You, everybody awake? Everybody with me? We all have. You guys did really well. I didn't even have to instruct you. I'm very impressed. You guys are excellent students. Okay. Someone told me this morning that this was going to be a little bit like school, and I said, I hated school. I hope it's better than school. Okay. So, you all have expectations, right? And there's this gap, right? And the gap between expectations and what we fill it in, whatever we fill in this gap with between our expectations and here, what we see it happens, determines our... Guys are doing really good. You can read. I'm so, doing so good. All right, so listen. Here's what we're going to do. I, just, I want you to really get this, right? Like, I want you to really understand this of what this means. So, okay. So let's just, let's just, now, I'm going to hold up a sign, right? When I hold up my sign, you have to actually read it, right? So we're going to, you ready? Everybody, you, all, you all awake? You all with me? Okay, here we go. Okay. So, expectation and behaviors. There's an, right. You said you'd be home at 5, but it's 5.02. The kids are driving me crazy, and I'm trying to get dinner together, and we got to be somewhere by 6, and you're not here, right? And, 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 and we start to do what? We start to fill in the gap. Now, here's the thing. Depending on how we fill in the gap, right, and this is why this is so important, depending on how we fill in the gap will depend on how loving our behavior is. Yeah, like if, if we fill in the gap wrong, our behavior changes. This, this is what Paul is saying. Like always, always, always is about how you're going to fill in the gap. How you, you, you got stuff you don't know. How are you going to fill in the gap? And so you got to determine. Are you going to... Right. Right? So are you going to believe the best? Or are you going to say, like, hey, listen, I know, like, yeah, it's 502, but 
yeah, he probably just, he probably got caught up in traffic he didn't know about, or he, he's probably like, he probably, his boss probably was probably to get out the door, and the boss was like grabbing him, and he's like trying to look at his watch, he's trying to get out on time, like, he probably, he's probably going to text me any minute, right? Come on, you're doing so well. Right, okay. Or we, right, like, you're like, you're like, Man, I can't believe, like, he's, he's late again. He's, getting, he's probably at work, and, and I don't know why this is true, but it is, right? Like, whoever's home with the kids, they think the other person, no matter what they're doing, is like a spa, at a spa or something, right? He's probably at work in the hot tub with his buddies, right? They're smoking cigars. They're having a great time, right? Like, it's just, I don't know why we do that, but that's kind of the way we, whoever's home with the kids thinks the other person's having a great time. So we, like, assume the worst, Right? We're like, I can't believe him. I can't believe that he would do that. We do this whole thing, right? Or like, for example, right? Like, like, okay, hey, hey, honey, I got, I got five dollars Kohl's cash. Let's go to Kohl's. Because you got the Kohl's cash, you gotta spend it, right? Because you, you get all kinds of stuff for five dollars at Kohl's. It's a ton of stuff. So you go to Kohl's, right? You're in the car, and they're inside with their $5 Kohl's cash. They come out, and they got four bags, those big Kohl's bags. You're the ones that, like, each one holds, like, half the store, okay? They got four of these bags that are coming out the door. So you either, right, ah, $5 Kohl's cash? Wow, that's a really good deal, honey. Guess we're not going out for seafood tonight, right? Or... Ah, she probably got me those sneaks because I got duct tape around the ones I got now. She probably got a really good deal on them. She probably bought the kids stuff that they need. She probably didn't even spend anything on herself again, right? Like, this is the difference. Like, this is so important. You got to decide. Like, in that moment, right, you are filling in the gap. You get this, right? Like, what you fill in the gap with because you have, see, you guys weren't paying attention again. You got, to, you got to stay with me here. You have, right, oh, wow. Hey, thanks. Who was, you did, the, oh, no, right? Like, ah, I broke. No, it's so funny. We do that, right? Anytime. So, so don't worry. It won't break. You don't have to panic. So expectation and what we fill in the gap with determines our, and this is what Paul is saying. You, if you want to stay in love, you want to have that kind of relationship you need, you got to Always, 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 always fill in the gap and not live by default. You've got to choose how you're going to fill in this gap because if you do, it will change everything. Now, here's what makes it so hard, right? We, we have, like, like, what I see and expect, right, and, and, and what shaped me makes this really challenging. You know, like, he's late again, or she's spending again. You know, I thought he was going to, or why doesn't she? All those things, like, like we see something, and we expect something, and we see, get something different. And so you tell yourself a story. And depending on what shaped you, well, depending on the kind of story you tell. Because what you're doing is you're taking a story from your past, right? And you're saying, well, let's just play that same movie scene again. I'm just going to put new people in as the actors, Playing the part of, and you fill in the name. And so you tell yourself the story. You know, you, you, we talked about this last week with Mr. and Mrs. Mug. Remember Mr. and Mrs. Mug and stuff was coming out? Because 
if, if it was all good stuff in us, this wouldn't be a problem, but we're all a little dinged up, a little damaged. And so we fill in the gap with some of our damage and our pain and our hurt. You know, your, your relationship with your mom and your dad or their relationship with each other left you a little dinged up, a little damaged. It affected you. Maybe it infected you. And it doesn't take long. And this is the thing. When it shaped us, it doesn't take us long. It's so short and so quick for us to go from, like, that what's happening right now is a gap between expectation and behavior. I've seen it before. I lived that story before. And I think this is the same story. Different actors, same story. And so we choose to fill in the gap. And we, right. And we gotta, we gotta choose. This is like a, a choice here. Like, you know, you, it's like, it's like when you, maybe you grew up and you were always expected to perform. Mom and dad were always, they were just dropping some hints that maybe if you performed, we'd love you a little more, or, or you could have done that better, right? And then, then you're with your spouse at some point, and they speak highly of somebody else, right? And you're all of a sudden inside of you, this big wave of insecurity comes over because you're like, oh, I've been here before. This is what my mom and dad used to do. And instead, your spouse is just like, hey, man, I really appreciated this person. Look what, look what she did. Isn't that great? And you're like, oh. And you, get, you overreact, right? You fill in the gap. And all of a sudden, you're like, oh, man. Right? They're like, whoa, what just happened here? Because your behavior wasn't loving. You were like, and they're like, what, what, what's happening here? Because you filled in the gap from your experience, from your fear, from whatever it is, your insecurity, whatever it is. Because what shaped you is that it's all about. So, so here's the question. This is our big question today. What sign, what sign do you lean towards? Whatever relationship you're in, where do you lean? Like what's the thing that just kind of automatically happens for you all the time? You know, you, you get caught up and you're, you're like, you're like, oh, man, I'm not going to be able to get dinner tonight, and I'm going to have to make a call and say, can you pick up dinner tonight? And I just couldn't get to it. You know, what? In that moment, which sign is going on in your life, you know? Which one? Which one are you leaning towards? Now, I know. Listen, I get it. I get it. You're, you're like sitting there, and you're like, yeah, but you don't know my spouse. Right? You don't know my spouse. Yeah, let, me, let me come up there and tell my story about my spouse, and we put your dumb signs away. We're going to have a real sermon. Right? Like, I, like you're like, because you got a sad story, and I get it. And I've heard your sad story, and I've had a sad story. We've all got a sad story. But at some point, this is something that's so important for me, at some point you have to decide, am I going to keep playing the part of victim, choosing to be the victim, choosing to stay stuck, or am I going to choose to own my part and stay in love? Am I going to choose to do something differently? Because this is what Paul was saying, always, 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 always. This is what he's saying. He's like, you've got to make this choice to always. So again, where does your mind go when it comes to that expectation and where it's met, where it's not met? Where's your mind go? Are you leaning towards assuming the worst or are you leaning towards believing the best? And here's why this is important, because Paul was right. People who love each other, people who stay in love, people who have the kind of relationship that you want to have forever, 
they do this. They are generous in their explanations. They choose not to just live by default. They lean into always. They lean into believing the best. In a great relationship, both parties go to ridiculous lengths to believe the best about the other. Now, I read this in a, there was a book called, um, by Marcus Buckingham, called One Thing You Need to Know. And, and here's what he does. He, the book's about something a little bit different, but he cites the study in the book, and in the study in the book, he cites about happy couples that have been living together for more, 10 or more years. Okay? And so, in this book about, about leadership, he's saying, like, listen, we, we, we looked at the study about happy couples who have been together for 10 or more years, and the assumption was, right, that, that the happy couples would kind of have the opposite of unhappy couples. So we looked at this other study. We're, we're, we're looking at this other study that was like unhappy couples, and what they found with unhappy couples is they didn't understand each other at all. Like they, they had all kind of assumptions. They, they, didn't, they just they didn't understand each other, right? And so they went into the study for happy couples to discover what made happy couples happy with the assumption that it would be just the opposite, that, that happy couples really understand each other well, and that's what makes them happy. They have this deep understanding of each other and their expectations of each other. But here, here's what they found. That wasn't it at all that made them happy. That wasn't the key to it all. In fact, they didn't understand each other that much better than unhappy couples. And the difference between unhappy couples and happy couples was this. Husbands had a very unrealistic view of their wives. They saw that they always, when the, they had their husbands and, husbands and wives rate each other, and the husbands consistently rated their wives higher than the wives rated themselves. And wives, wives saw their husbands in a better light than husbands saw themselves. Wives consistently rated their husbands better than the husbands rated themselves. You see, they, what, what they saw in here, and this, is, this was kind of their aha moment, is that happy couples are just a little blind to their partner's deficiencies. They're just a little bit like, hmm, right? And this is, what, this is what Buckingham's conclusion is. He said, listen, a spouse's positive illusions create an upward spiral of love. A, a, a spouse's always trusts, a spouse that always protects, a spouse that always hopes, will create an upward spiral of love. A, a spouse who will create an upward spiral of love. And that illusion created conviction, and that conviction led to security, and security fostered intimacy, and intimacy fostered love. They didn't say that they weren't a mess. They didn't say the happy couples didn't have problems. They didn't say that they always... They always met the expectation. It said that the, when expectation was a map, what they filled in with was believe the best, and they had loving behavior, and that changed everything. So listen, here, here's kind of our conclusion today. A husband who assumes that his wife possesses strengths that maybe she doesn't even quite have will have more love in his heart, and they'll have a better relationship. A wife who believes the very best, which is like, listen, I'm going to assume that my, my husband possesses strengths that are going to even better than what he has. We'll have a loving relationship. And the lesson here is this. Find the most generous explanation for each other's behavior and believe it. 
That's the lesson. Find the most generous explanation for each other's behavior and believe it. If you want to stay in love, you've got to give the benefit of love. If you want to stay in love, right? And, and this is just something like, like people do this at funerals all the time. I, I show up at a funeral and people like, you know, they're, they're talking about something that's kind of a bad thing, but they're like filling in the gap with things that are good. They're seeing it in the best light possible. You know, like, like it's like, you know, you're married and you're like, she's not impatient. She's just kind of intense. You know, or like, like he's not, he's not insensitive. He's just, he's just focused. Like you, you begin to see it. You say, listen, what am I going to believe? Am I going to believe the best or am I going to assume the worst? Because here's the thing. If, if you go negative, if that's, no, you know, you're sitting there this morning, you're like, I kind of go negative. Listen, you are undermining your relationship. It's your decision. And I know that you're like, yeah, but you don't know, you know, I, I, you don't know how it is, you know. And listen, when you choose not to always protect and always hope and always trust, you will undermine your relationship. Regardless of what he or she has done, you're going to undermine the relationship. And listen, you are participating in a cycle of destruction, right? Because I'm going to tell you what happens when you do this, right? Because this is, this is the cycle goes on and on. Like, you assume the worst, they assume the worst. Or, they, maybe they don't assume the worst, but they're like, I'm just avoiding you. Right? I'm just going to avoid it. I'm just not going to come home anymore. I'm just not going to be around you because you keep assuming the worst. I can't seem to do anything to please you. So, it's a cycle. It's just destroying your relationships. Let me ask you again. How's going negative working for you, you know? Does your spouse expect it? Or are they kind of avoiding it? Because, I mean, you, you put this together, and I know it feels good. I know when it goes negative, you know, if you were really honest, if you were truthful this morning, you really got honest, you would say, I kind of like it. I kind of like being right. I kind of like that they're wrong. I kind of like being a little bit better than that. It, it makes me feel good, right? Because here, here's what's happening. Like, when I do that, it shifts the spotlight off of me and onto them. I don't have to deal with any of my own stuff. They got to fix them. And I don't have to admit that I got a lot of insecurity. I got a lot of things. I got a lot of damage that needs dealt with. And you think that's improving your self-worth because you feel better. But I got news for you. The only way you improve your self-worth is by giving and receiving love, never by putting something down. So you got to make a choice. And this is where Paul is right because you might feel like you're winning the war but you are losing the most important relationship of your life. So Paul was right. Listen, love always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. And then he says, love never fails. Never fails when there's an always involved. And you look for the most generous explanation and you give it, because this is what it looks like with God, right? He believes the best for us. Even though you've let him down a thousand times, who loved you first? God did. He believed the best for you. He believes better for you than you even believe for yourself. It's always, love always has an always component to it. So your spouse wants to be in a relationship with you. They don't want to disappoint you. But here's the thing, if you don't give them room for messiness, you'll give them room to be accepted. 
You don't give them room to take responsibility for their actions because you're pointing the finger. You're never going to have love. And this is what Jesus modeled for us, right? Like, Jesus doesn't come to you. The gospel isn't change, and then I'll accept you. That's not the gospel. The gospel is, I love you, I accept you, so that you can change. So that you can be different. So that you can be follow my example. And if you'll do that, if you'll, if you'll believe the best, it'll short-circuit all of that. And it'll change your relationships. Because here's what happens. When you believe the best about me, I know I can mess up and still step into it and say, I'm sorry, I messed up, because you've created a space where it's safe, where we need to not be perfect, just like you. And together, we can continue to always, always, always. So here's the thing. I, I know I live in the real world, just with you. We both live in the real world, and this the always thing, you're going to always do this, and it's not always going to work out. Like, they're not always going to meet your expectations. And, and here's what you do. You always, 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 you believe the best, you believe the best, you believe the best. You give the most generous explanation possible until it is no longer possible to do so. And then you have a conversation filled with grace. And that changes everything. And I believe that's what God wants for all of us today. And if you want to stay in love, listen, you got to make love a verb. You got to go for the race for second place by mutually submitting. You got to watch over your hearts and you got to choose. You got to make sure you're aware of this choice between expectation and behavior. When, what are you going to fill in the gap with? Are you going to believe the best or assume the worst? So here's what I want to do for just, just going to give you a minute or two. I want to ask you this question What do you need to ask God to do in your heart today for that to happen? For you to always fill in the gap. Because you're never going to do this on your own. You can't change this on your own. You need God's help. What do you need to ask God to do today? For you to fill in that gap. And to always believe the best. Do you need to forgive? Do you need God to do some work in you to forgive? Do you need God to give you a new story? Do you know, do you, is there some damage, that some things up that you're like, Lord, I need you to reveal it, and I need you to heal it? What is it? I just want to give you a minute. I'm just going to, I'm just going to, play a little music, and while that music's playing, I just, just going to wait. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God. God, what, what do I need you to do? Will you reveal it to me? Will you search me? What's your prayer this morning that you need to talk to God? Lord Jesus, continue to do a new work in us. Holy Spirit, reveal to us how we can be changed by you, enter into the spaces of our heart that need healing. Motivate us to forgive so that we can 
break that cycle of destruction so it can begin to fill in the gap again with the always. Help us to receive your forgiveness so that we don't carry shame or hurt around with us, but freedom, peace, joy. God, do a new work in us today so that we might believe the best always.